There we go. Philip, good morning. Good morning, Alex. How are you today? I'm doing great. How about yourself? Doing well. well it looks like we're already in record mode, so let me go ahead and lead out here. Uh, this is Dr. Foster, the success coach with MaximumChange.com, and welcome to episode 73. It's really exciting for us to start this episode because I am doing my very first interview with someone on the podcast. Now, I know that sounds a little crazy that it'd be the first one that I'm doing, because normally I'm the one that's getting interviewed by other people. But what's really cool about this episode is that I have this guy on, his name is Alex, and I'm going to introduce him to you. He is a sales and leadership coach who's been in the sales game for well over 10 years. And uh, he'd pick up leftover construction tools and sell them. Oh, I'm sorry. Since you were 10 years old, I'm reading this wrong. I need to put my glasses on. He's been <laughs> in the sales game since he was 10 years old. That's right. And he could pick up uh, construction tools and sell them door to door. Now, that's pretty crazy to me, but uh, that's awesome. And over the last 10 years, he has sold millions of dollars worth of products and services in a wide variety of different industries like retail, food services, and even staffing. And he's also got a passion for helping people become the very best version of themselves, both personally and professionally, and which is why he's putting out a podcast episode every single day with you. That's how I met Alex is that I came across this podcast uh, on Anchor, which is where I produce my podcast. And man, I really enjoy his stuff. So Alex, welcome to the show. Really happy that you're here and just uh, say hi to everyone. Thank you so much, Dr. Phil. I appreciate uh, you having me on the show today. And I, I don't really know uh, what I was thinking, selling you know old construction tools and nails door to door when I was like 10 or 11. Um, but something in my mind told me to pick these things up and go door to door. I think the only person who really bought them were probably like a pastor that lived down the street because he felt sorry for me. Um, but you know, it's funny. Life leaves, life, life leaves us clues. And uh, sometimes we can pick out different strengths that we have or weaknesses that we have by the actions that we take early on in life. So it's very interesting that I ended up in sales and business. Technology is a wonderful. Am I losing you? Oh, are you there, Alex? Yeah. I'm sorry. Technology dropped out on me there. <laughs> That's okay. Uh, okay, so um, we we have been in communication with each other with each other for I don't know a month or so now, and we've been going back and forth talking about different things. And we were preparing for this show, and one one of the things that kind of stood out to me was this dealing with rejection. I mean, you've been in sales since you were ten years old, basically, and you basically talked about going door to door selling used construction stuff. So. I'm imagining that from a very early age, you, you kind of got this thing, you know, understood this thing called rejection. And I, I'm just, I'm just wondering, you know, what are your thoughts on the idea of sales and dealing with that rejection? Yeah, I think, you know, and for some reason, I don't know, me personally, the idea of rejection when it comes to business and sales was something that I just always knew was kind of part of the game. I think in a lot of ways, personally and fitting into society and friends and that kind of stuff, I probably dealt with it a little bit more difficultly. But um, I think I think about it like this. It's what your what's your mindset around rejection? You're either going to look at it in two different ways. One, you're going to take it very personal and you're going to think it's all my fault and there's something wrong with me and they're not buying from me because 
of, of me personally, and I'm not good enough. They don't like me. Or you're going to see it as part of the journey to becoming great and to become successful. And the reality is, the people who have made it uh, all know this, is that you can't succeed in life or get what you want out of life long term unless you fail, unless you, mm-hmm. unless, you get re- unless you get rejected. And then it's, you know, it's how you learn from it and get feedback and you kind of move on. But that's how I look at it. It's part of the game. Now, as you know, um, my my audience is mostly um, entrepreneurs and entrepreneurs. So I, I deal with a lot of people that come along and they're trying to start a new business or have started a business. And one of the biggest things I hear from them is uh, from from the side of um, dealing with with the positive mindset and and how do we we view things in our heads, the mindset issue. And I'm I'm wondering. What advice could you give to someone who maybe doesn't feel like they are naturally bent toward uh, selling things, especially from a young age of 10, you know, on up? I mean, how, how do you how does someone who's new to the business game kind of get in that frame of mind of, hey, this is going to this is going to be a learning experience and I'm going to grow from it. I mean, how do you how do you even get someone yeah. there? I know you do a lot of leadership training in the sales field. How do you get someone there? I think it's a good question. I think in a few different things kind of come to my mind. One, as a salesperson, I think you have to, you have to remind yourself to be empathetic because if you think about it like this, you know, a lot of people that we want to think of, it's all about us. And if we didn't do something, it's 100% because of us. And as much as we want to take accountability and ownership, that's a good thing. We also have to understand, like, imagine if you're making a cold call right now, right? And I've got somebody on the other line and they shut me down, which by the way, still happens whether you've been in sales your day one or five or 10 or 20 or 30 years. We all get shut down no matter how good we are. But when you get shut down, if you could call that person back right away and say, hey, just out of curiosity, I actually recommend that people actually do this. But just out of curiosity, why did you say no to me? Why did you shut me down? Why didn't you agree to meet with me or buy my product or service? The answer that you get is not going to be, I just don't like you, or it was all because of how you came across, or I just personally, just you and me are not going to work together. What you probably would hear is something like this. Hey, man, I just... Don't take it personally. It's just not the right time. We don't have the budget. Or it could be something like they've been burned by other salespeople in the past. They've used a product or service like yours and it hasn't worked. They've met with other salespeople a million different times, which is probably the reality of most buyers now. And um, nothing has come out of it because, you know, 90% of salespeople are out in these meetings and in front of clients and they're not really adding value. They're just pushing their product or service. And so that, that consumer or that buyer thinks that you're just like everyone else. So I think the first thing you got to wrap your head around is to just don't make it all about yourself. You know, put yourself on the other side of that phone call. And just understand that it's not a you thing necessarily as much as you got to get better and work on your fundamentals and make sure that you're adding value over the phone or in person. But that um, it, it's about how they're making the decision. And so they're thinking about a lot of different things right now. It's not just you. Another thing that I would say is that you've got to reinforce that just what I said in the beginning, that it's just a necessary part of being successful. Mm-hmm. I mean, if you if you think about like, here's how I think about it, like Philip, the fear of rejection or failure are the seeds of regret. Mm-hmm. Because what happens is if we let this thing, if we let this fear of failure, rejection control us, what happens? And you know this, people don't take action because they're scared they're going to get rejected. They're scared they're going to get shut down. So instead of making that call or showing up to that conference or showing up to that meeting, you just don't do it. And then what happens years later is you have regret because you didn't start that business. You didn't go for that relationship or that person you wanted. You didn't go for the dream that you knew you could have done, but you were scared that it wasn't going to work out. 
So I think just having that perspective is that you just got to go for it. And you've got to understand that it's part of the process. If you're a leader in this situation, like if you've got someone on your team and, and they're struggling with the rejection or the fear of failure, be vulnerable about, be vulnerable about where you failed or where have you been rejected? Like I just mm. was cold calling yesterday and got rejected, completely mm. shut down. You know, like you got to be able to share those stories and just, you know, and from, cause a lot of times they look at really successful people or you as a leader and you've been doing it a long time and they see, they see that you're pretty good at it. And they think that you've never failed or you've never been rejected. Mm. And the reality is there's, everyone has their story and it's just, you, sometimes you, you catch somebody, where they're at in their story, not necessarily the beginning when a lot of the rejection and the failure happen. Um, the last thing I would say on this too, real quick, Philip, is that help build that person up, you know, and if you're working with somebody that's dealing with this, highlight their strengths and praise them when they act well to rejection. Mm. So they're struggling with rejection, but just everyone's going to fail and get rejected. What I look at is out of a room full of hundred people, everyone's going to fail. Everyone's going to get shut down, rejected. I just look for what happens right after they get rejected. What happens after that call goes south or that conversation just completely is a disaster? How do they react after that? It's almost like this podcast episode started off a little shaky. <laughs> we had a commute. We had technology interruptions. We don't care. We're going to keep right. going. This is part of That's life. Right. Mistakes happen. Nothing is perfect. It's about progress. And I guarantee we end up crushing this episode and we add a lot of value to the audience. And that's just how we roll. And that's how you got to think about this. But when they get rejected, I, I want to look and I want to see how they react to them. And I'm going to praise them for if they get off that phone and instead of their attitude being like, oh, man, I just got rejected. This sucks. I don't want to make another call. If they flip their mindset a little bit and they start saying, hey, smile on my face, got rejected. But here's what I learned. Let me get some feedback from anyone that was listening. And I'm going to move on and pick up the phone and let's go at it again. Awesome. And, you know, <clears throat> excuse me, a lot of people that I work with are solopreneurs. So they don't get that instant feedback from their team or their manager or whatever. And so it's interesting because you, you talk about this idea of fear. And, and of course, I, I love the acronym fear uh, because, it, you know, to me, it stands for false expectations appearing real. And so when we have this false reality going on around us, appearing to be real, we have to find tools and uh, techniques to overcome that uh, fear as it, as it is. And so I've seen uh, different clients of mine uh, do think, do like uh, techniques, like they'll have a gong or a bell and they'll, they'll put the word fear on that bell or on that gong. And every time they get rejected, they'll go over and they will hit that gong or hit that bell. And they will say, that's a, I've had a false expectation that has appeared real to me that that rejection was about, you know? Uh, and so, so what it does, is it, like it solidifies the idea of that. What, what just happened? There was a learning experience. It wasn't about me. It wasn't about what I'm selling. And, uh, totally. you know, I remember in the eighties and nineties when I was coming up through the business world, I'd hear salespeople talk about the idea of next, you know, Oh, that was a rejection next, you know, and move on. The other thing yep. I wanted to bring up, and, and, I, and I'd hope you talk about this a little bit more, is you've mentioned several times about adding value. And I talk mm -hmm. a lot about, uh, you know, value statements and, and how you add value. Talk, talk about in the generalist terms, how, how do you deal with adding value as a salesperson? Yeah, I think, and that's a, that's a real, real topic right now, especially as, just the markets get more competitive and saturated and stuff. You've got to find a way to differentiate yourself from other salespeople and other, other products and services. 
I look at sales like there's two categories, I think, in my mind when I think about selling a product or service. One, you're going to be like an Amazon where you're going to be very low, uh, low connection, very low uh, friction, very, um, you know, it's all about the how we can get the easiest consumer buy, how we can lowest price, fastest to your house. We're going to try to make this as easy as possible. We're not going to talk to you, massage you, try to add a bunch of extra value. They're just trying to go in and out. It's very low friction. The other side, if you're not playing in that space, and that's a tough space to play in because you got to be extremely competitive and you're being priced, you know, you're, you're squeezing your prices all the time. But the other space that you're going to play in, and the second part of this is, and this is what most people are in sales with, is you're selling a higher value type of, of service or product. You're out there and you can't just set, you know cut your prices or try to make it low friction. You've got to go out there and really uh, present your product and service in a way that's going to add a lot of value to them. But here's the thing. I look at it like you've always got your product or service that you have to offer. And that's like your very bottom base value, like your level one value creation. How you kick it up a couple gears is you as the salesperson coming to this meeting or this appointment or this call with something that's going to change the way that they think about doing their job or getting their work done or their industry. So you've got to know to really create value. You've got to know industry trends. You've got to know new things that are hitting the marketplace that are going to affect how they make decisions moving forward. You have to almost be, I always talk about, you have to be almost like a sales leader. Like you have to come to the table and ask questions that are going to get them to think a little bit differently about how they run their operation or how they're going to achieve their goals that year. That's how you really create that, that extra layer of value other than just from your product or service. You've got to be able to lead them a little bit and change their mindset and bring up things where they, they scratch their head and say, huh, I didn't really think about this affecting our industry or our company, but that's a good point that you bring up. And then you share how you're working with other companies and how they're dealing with these types of new trends and these new changes or laws that are going to happen or how they look at their team a little bit differently in the modern era or how we hire differently now for talent than we did 10, 20 years ago. I think being a, if you could take the product or service away, you want to try to get them to not want to lose you as the salesperson because you, you yourself provide so much value and so much insight and advice and you challenge them in a healthy way. You know, I think they want to be challenged a little bit in a healthy way, in a constructive way. And so they don't want to lose your product or service. You've got to maintain that, but they don't want to lose you. And, and I would think that as a salesperson, part of your job is to be an educator to the consumer because they don't know about your product. Exactly. A consultant. Right. A consultant. Yep. So let me, let me ask you this um, again, because I deal with so many business owners that are in the small to mid-sized space. How do you deal with the Walmartization of the consumer? You know, the, because you're, let's say your company is not trying to be positioned as a low price, low price leader, but you have a consumer who wants to buy on price rather than quality or value. I mean, how, how do you overcome those type of real issues in the marketplace? Yep. The only way that you're going to, so if someone's telling you that price is their biggest problem, the only way that you're ever going to overcome that is if you find a bigger problem. Mm. That is it. So if, if they're telling you that that price, and look, you might have to walk away from certain potential customers because if all they really care about is their bottom line price and they don't care about necessarily the results or the long-term value or the partnership or anything like that, you may find yourself just saying, hey, sounds like this isn't a fit. That's okay. Maybe I can recommend you to some folks that do deal with in that industry in that space and that maybe are a better fit and then you're still adding value and being a good partner to them. And then, you know, and eventually they may come back to you. They may not. But I think that's how you have to think about it when you really can add value and where you can really compete when you're talking about 
like the pricing subject, you're not going to, if you're a high value type of service and you demand a high premium and that kind of stuff, you're never, you're never going to go in there competing on price. You're going to have to compete on value and what you bring to the table, whether that's, and that's from you, obviously, and then that's from your product or service. So you've got to go into these situations, really understanding what that company and what that person is trying to accomplish um, and where they're trying to go and what their vision is and why is that so important and what happens if they hit their goals and what happens if they don't and can you quantify those things because you know in in my world i play in the space of like hey if i can't find an roi if i can't quantify their pain Mm. or figure out why it's so important that they're going to hit their goals they're never going to spend twice as much money on my service as they are somebody else down the street because down the street they're just going in and saying hey what do you need okay this is what we got here's our price if i go and do the same thing they're going to say well we can find a product or service like yours for half the price. I have to go in and really be a partner to them and understand what they're trying to accomplish. And then I've got to give proof points and say, Hey, I I know exactly what you're going through because guess what company or client X, Y, and Z right down the street was dealing with the exact same thing. And when we came in, here's what we, here's what we saw. Here's what we talked about. Here's the plan that we put in place. And now here's the results that they're getting here. So they paid a little, I'm going to ask you to invest a little bit more on the front end but here are the results that I'm going to get you on the back end that are going to more than make up for the initial investment. That's what you have to do. And you got to be transparent about that in the meeting. Just say, hey, look, I'm asking these questions because I'm here to add value. I'm here to help grow your company. I'm here to help hit, make sure that you hit your goals and accomplish what you want to accomplish. I'm not just someone selling a product. To do that, I need to understand how this type of situation impacts your business and really how I can best help. And you know, you talk about this idea of possibly having to walk away from a potential customer or even a current customer you may have to walk away from because they're looking to for you to you know to sell them on price i I mean that takes a lot of courage especially if you are a salesperson or even a small business owner and you're looking at your kpis or commission or even your income and you're like man i'm gonna have to walk away from this customer but uh you know i will just tell you from my experience of 15 years as, as a coach and 25 years in the business world, sometimes the customer that is looking for you to be the low price leader is going to be the one that costs you the most in time and energy. Uh, and it's really not worth it in the end, in my opinion. So, Right. And here's the other thing. Like I said, like you may have a customer that says they're all about price and then you find a bigger problem, but they still say that they're all about price. And then you walk away confidently and you walk away with recommendations and you walk away of, Hey, here's the two avenues that we can go or the three or four avenues that we can go down. If we're not the right fit, we're not the right, right fit. Let me know if I can help in any other way. I'm here for you. If you need insights, if you need you know anything, any proof points or case studies I can provide, I'm totally here for you. And if, if something changes, let me know when you walk away that confidently and with that kind of partnership and them in mind, and you really put their interest at the forefront, which is what really sales is all about. It's not about you. It's about creating value for other people then a lot of times they'll come back. You oh, absolutely. Know? They'll, they'll come stumbling in back, and after a while, they'll figure out, you know what? We thought price was the main thing, but we realized we're not getting the service or the value that nearly what we thought we would get, and uh, we want to reconsider what you have to offer. And that's a real thing. That happens all the and, time. And you know, sometimes con- the consumer buys on price because, as you've already stated, budget. Budget is an issue. I mean, I've, I've had situations in my past business where I've had this really cool company come along. I, I'm convinced they're going to be able to help me. They, they have value. Uh, I love what they're doing. They, I think they can help me tremendously in, in a certain area of my business, but I just don't have the budget for it. And I've told them, hey, I, I love what you're doing. I just, I just can't afford you right now. And, and those are the types, yeah. in my opinion, those are the types of uh, clients 
that you want, that they love what you do. They, they're convinced that you can help them and they're looking for a way to find the budget so that they can hire you. Yeah, exactly. And they're, they're transparent and at least they're honest with you in terms of why they're not going to move forward. And those are, you're exactly right. I mean, those are, those are the potential future clients that you want to stay in contact with and try to add value, even if they're not buying product or service from you, you know, find ways that maybe you send them an article every now and then, or you, you link them to a podcast episode that you think is really beneficial for them and their industry or what they're going through right now, or you, you shoot them a call or you do lunch with them every so often and just remind them you're there and Hey, how can I help? And even if we're not working together necessarily, we're exchanging money for goods. How can I still help you? That's, I think, in the relationship building and just being there for them and really showing that them that it's all about them and not about you. I think that puts you in an excellent position to win when the budget becomes that. awesome. Now, I have I have one more question for you, and that is uh, you, you have uh, over 10 years of uh, experience and millions of dollars in sales under your belt. I'm curious to know, what do you think is the one thing or maybe two things in the sales process that you believe? is perceived or undervalued in in the process i mean because there's things that we do that are like golden but we just ignore them and, and i'm wondering do, do you is there something that stands out to you that that we miss in the sales process yep yep i think you know and i'm not gonna like this isn't a super technical thing we can go there but i think if there's one thing that i see in salespeople right now where they miss the mark in the process the ability to do things that you to do the things daily that you don't want to do that are not the most fun part of the job, but you do them anyways. That is the key. And usually in sales, it's the initial prospecting. It's the cold calling, the cold emailing, the hitting people up on social, the, you know, it's all these different things where it's, it's the toughest part as salespeople. We love to go on lunches. We love to do dinners. We love to do these kind of things. We love to, you know, close deals and get our commissions and make people happy and serve our clients. We love all that stuff, but we don't necessarily like picking up the phone 60, 70, 80 times a day, trying to create opportunity or whatever that looks like, you know, whether that's in marketing or however you set up your appointments, that is the thing that I think is missing most. Just like the hustle, just like the, the brunt of just like going out there and creating opportunity. That's the part that I think is a little bit broken now. And a lot of people will talk about, well, cold calling's dead. I need to you know, spend eight hours on LinkedIn every day connecting with people. Well, good luck with that. And right. I think there's a place for social. And I think there's a place to, to link up with people totally. And referrals all day. I think you need to utilize every avenue that you possibly can. But I'll go against anyone that's going to hop on LinkedIn for eight hours. Let me cold call for eight hours. Or, or you stop by and do visits and that kind of stuff. And I guarantee I post better results than someone just connecting with people on LinkedIn all day. So I think you got to find a balance. Mm -hmm. But I think that's the, that's the biggest part that I think right now is just missing from what I see. The other thing that I see is that people just don't, it's the mindset. They go into a meeting and think, okay, how can I close the sale? How can I get commissioned? How can I get my, what I need out of this? Instead of just flipping that and saying, what are they trying to accomplish? How can I help them? How can I bring the most value to them? Because that's how you're going to win long-term. <laughs> you know, I, I tell clients all the time, uh, you know, it's, it's great to look up to someone who's driving a, a really nice car, like a Lamborghini or a Maserati or something and, and calling them an overnight success. But the reality is that <laughs> what you see is the end result of the hustle you just talked about of hitting the phones eight hours a day and getting rejected over and over and over and over and over again and, and keeping that mindset of positivity so that you can break through so that you can see yourself sitting in the Maserati or Lamborghini or whatever Bugatti or whatever it is that's your flavor, you know, so yeah. it's that, that, that focus that you need 
so that people assume you're that overnight success. You know, it's really interesting. Exactly. Well, exactly. And it's so funny because we look at people like Bill Gates or Steve Jobs or Jeff Bezos and we think, wow, they're these billionaire people. They, they implemented these great strategies and they grew this great business and what a, what a great product. And man, they must have just always had this from the beginning and they have all these things that they want in life as we see from the outside. And then but we don't think about or get to see the areas in which they very first started out when they were mm-hmm. in a garage with what <laughs> two people in their parents' garage, like yep. literally trying to figure this out on a typewriter. You know, like you don't see that when Jeff Bezos was just packing boxes in an apartment building wherever he was yep. and, ru- and running them to different houses. And you don't think he was thinking a little bit inside his head like this shit's crazy. <laughs> like, what am I doing here? Like, I'm, I'm packing books and boxes and I'm delivering like, this is going to get me to where I want to go. Yeah. He just stuck with it. He hustled. He believed in it. He knew it was the right thing. He thought about adding value. And years later, it turned into what it is now. That's the key. And, and, I'd, and I'd say two things. I'd remind people that Jeff Bezos actually had hair when he started. So you have, you know, to be a billionaire. <laughs> the other thing I'd mention is yeah. they, they just did a computer algorithm study of all of his uh, letters to the shareholders. And what they Uh have discovered over all the 24 letters that he's done or however many it is that the consistent line that he focuses in on is about the customer, customer. Yes. So the add the value is really hundred percent there. So, well, um, Alex, I, I, I really appreciate you taking time out of your, your Friday to jump on here and talk about, you know, sales leadership. I'm, I'm just curious, how do people find you? How do they know more about you and your podcast? I just want you to spend a few minutes just kind of, you know, doing your, your little uh, spiel on how people can connect with you. Totally. And let me, let me just say, if you don't mind, I want to say one more thing about yeah. this whole rejection. Your yeah, go thing. If you talk to an evolution, like a lot of our, a lot of the things that we deal with today come from our, the human brain that was 2000, 5,000, 10,000, 20,000 years ago. If you talk to an evolutionary psychologist, they'll tell you that the idea of rejection and the fear of failure and and these types of things come from when we were all in tribes, we had to survive, right? We grouped together to survive. We hunted, we gathered, we, you know, we um, had kids and all that stuff, but we stayed together so that we could fend off predators and animals in the wild and other tribes and that kind of stuff. What our mental brain and through the evolutionary process, we started to build up this this fear of being ostracized and this fear of being rejected because we were going to be sent out and away from our tribe. And that meant that we weren't going to survive. So what we started developing inside our head was this fear of like, hey, I can't do anything too crazy different or I can't be rejected. If I'm being rejected, it means I'm not going to survive. It's this big internal meeting. And the same thing, if you think about our survival brain, when it just comes to just staying alive every day. 10,000 years ago, we were worried about bears jumping out or a tiger attacking us or another tribe coming to you know, invade our tribe. And it's not necessarily the case in most places nowadays, but we still let that stuff control us. And we let ourselves, we don't get out of our comfort zone sometimes because it's that survival instinct brain kicking in telling us, Ooh, don't do this because it may lead to something that's bad. So I think just getting out of that a little bit and just understanding that those are tendencies that are trying to keep you alive in survival mode but they don't necessarily do you much good in the business and the professional world and where you're trying to go in life. Totally agree. Where you can find me. Um, I know, I know Philip, you're going to kick me on this one because I don't do enough of this stuff. I talked to you about my last podcast about it, but um, uh, business EQ is the podcast. So check me out there. And then I've just started a Facebook page, Instagram, business EQ, same thing. Um, hit me up on there. I would love to, uh, you know, I, 
one thing that I'd love to start doing is more Q&A type of podcast episodes. I'd love to take questions from the audiences. So hit me up and, and hit Dr. Foster up if you guys have any questions for us, because we'd love to do some more shows together as well. But I, I definitely appreciate you having me on the show. I'm glad we can make this work. If, if the audience on here hasn't checked out when you were on my <laughs> show, definitely hop, hop over there. Awesome. Well, uh, this has uh, been an together. awesome interview. With... I'm sorry, the technology is kicking out on me again. Uh-oh. This has been an awesome interview with Alex uh, Sheridan, and I just want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen. Uh, if you have any questions or you need help finding Alex, just uh, go ahead and pop over to my website at MaximumChange.com. Send me an email, and we'll be happy to connect you with Alex and, and all of his social media. And I look forward to not only being on Alex's show uh, in the future, but also having him back to talk about some uh, more uh, interesting subjects of sales. And, and maybe I will be able to talk him into maybe doing a video or two where Ooh. we get him on the video and we do some <laughs> video interviewing uh, for my Facebook side of things. So uh, this is Dr. Hey. Foster. Yes, sir. You don't even have to talk me into it. I am ready to go. <laughs> I'm all about it. Let's do it. Awesome. Well, this is Dr. Foster, the success coach with MaximumChange.com and my guest, Alex Sheridan, and we are signing off. Have a great day and we'll see you soon.